I'm your host, Rena Friedman Watts, and this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman. That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan. And I'm a pretty cool dude. All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe. And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up. You are a pretty cool dude. Love you, mommy. Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by. Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know what your problem is? You like me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Hey, Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers, and of course, controversial people. Grandpa, my mommy's calling. Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better call daddy because he knows you best. He's bringing the test. He sees possibilities. Better call daddy, he'll be by your side. Better call daddy, you're the apple of his eye. He sees possibilities. Oh, Today's episode is about finding your own way, getting tools from your parents, but realizing they don't know it all. Bruce Chamoff is the CEO and founder of the World Podcast Network. With over 980 shows in his community, he's taken experience from his accounting background, his software development skills, and his marketing to matchmake podcasters and professionals and create something beautiful. Bruce, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. I wanted to tell you a funny story. So I just sure. dropped off my kids late mm. at school and the four-year-old totally gave me up. He was like, my mom didn't sign us in. And the head of the early childhood department was, of course, in his classroom, as he states that. And she looked at him and looked at me and just kind of laughed. And I was like, man, kids are so good uh -huh. at teaching <laughs> you lessons. How old are your kids? I have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, a just-turned 11-year-old yesterday, and a four-year-old. Wow. Awesome. I got one. <laughs> and it's it. a daughter. Yes. Yes. But you know, she just moved out of the house and now it's not working out. She's coming back. I won't get into that story, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, get into that story now. She moved in with a guy at 20 years old and I, her mother and, and I warned her and we said, you know, you're way too young. And I said, if you have to come back, you come back. She said, I'm not coming back, dad. I'm in love. It's going to work out. I'm like, okay, fine. You're an adult now. If you want advice, we're here. But, and then she told me, he actually texted me and said that it's not working out and he wanted to come home. I'm like, okay, you know, what can I do? So that, that's the whole story in a nutshell. Obviously it gets more detailed than that, but. Yeah, I wanted to talk about because you know this is a podcast with my dad like what have you learned from your kids well I did learn that the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree, right? And yes, your kids are independent. Your kids are not you. And that was the, the biggest problem I had with my father is that he wanted me to be exactly like him, but I turned out more like my mother. He wasn't happy about that. I'm like, well, you know what? This is who I am. You literally have to just accept your kids for who they are. You have to understand they're not going to be like you 100%. Yes, they have your traits, but they are their own person. They have their own likes, their own interests, things that obviously in the 
totally different generation you won't understand anyway. And your parents don't understand what you did when you were that age. So why would you even complain that your kids don't turn out like you? And she's got a lot of my qualities. Like I'm, I'm very ambitious. I'm sure you know that. She's ambitious. A lot of the times I cannot make up my mind. I usually narrow things down to a, about two or three things. She's the same way. I just said, you know what? Other things about her are just not like me. And that's the way it is. So I think that's the biggest lesson I learned as a father. Yeah. I love that you recognize <laughs> that though. It's interesting yes. how we can see ourselves in our kids. Absolutely. I think that's the I biggest learning. That. Yeah. And the other thing too, the other thing I learned is once they become an adult, even before they're an adult, like when they're an adolescent, give them advice. Don't tell them what to do. And you were that parent that told them what to do because you were teaching them about life. But after a while, they won't listen to you anyway. Let them be their own person and let them make mistakes in a nice way. Say, see, I told you so. <laughs> I wanted to go into that a little bit more as far as do you feel like you were able to communicate that to your own parents and be your own person? Did you give them any pushback on what they expected or wanted from you? You know what? I did. But when you have parents that are very adamant about life, you just can't. So what my approach was, listen to them and do what I want anyway. That's what you have to do, really. So tell me what you wanted. Really just what I wanted to do in life. My whole career path was I started out in accounting. Yes, my father was a CPA. I did income taxes at the age of eight. Of course, he actually supervised that because you can't trust an eight-year-old. But I think I thought I knew what I was doing. I loved it. He taught me. I did a great job. And then got into college and realized accounting was not for me. After all those years, went to marketing. And you probably see that in me anyway. I'm a marketing guy. But when it came down to it, I ended up being a web developer and a computer programmer. But like I say to everybody, I'm a marketing visionary up in the computer programmer, okay? Most people are either one or the other. They're either a marketing person, they have visions, but they don't know how to program that. And other people are programmers and they don't know how to make that. So I, I do both and I'm very happy about that. With the podcast network, if I get an idea in my head on the website launched within a week, like I don't have to talk to a web developer and tell them what the requirements are, do the testing and then wait for them to get back to me. My father was more of an analytical person. I'm analytical too, but he didn't understand computers and he didn't really care to. So that's kind of where we veered off. It was fine because this is the funniest thing. And I don't know if your father told you this. When I was probably two or three years old, I'll never forget. My father said, daddies know everything. And when I learned how to program, I turned to him. I said, daddies don't know everything anymore. <laughs> so they said to him and he left, you know, and he asked me how hard it was. I said, it's not hard for me because I know what I'm doing, but he couldn't do it. So that's when I kind of rubbed it in that daddies don't know everything. <laughs> that's cute. I love that. Did you feel yeah. loved by both of your parents? Were they good at expressing that? Yeah, they love me. They love my sister. Uh, my sister's a couple of years younger than me. You know what it is. Parents are a pain in the neck sometimes, right? There's always a communication gap. There's always a generation gap. And you just have to realize that because if you try to fight that, that's where all the problems begin, right? Somebody that's not in your generation will never act like somebody from your generation. So why? And especially your kids, you know, all I learned is my parents taught me by observation, really. They didn't, I mean, they taught me, but you don't really like, I'm not, I'm not a learner by someone teaching me. I'm more of a learner by watching, by observing. And I think we all are. We get most of our habits as an adult from watching our parents when when we're a kid because we see our parents every single day. So their habits get ingrained in our heads. 
right? And then before you know it, we're taking that over as well. Like we're adopting those, right? But then you're not your parents. So you start having your own habits and you have whatever habits are alive in your generation at that moment, right? And that's the way it is, you know, especially like let's take, let's take the music, like the 50s. I couldn't stand the 50s. I couldn't even stand music from the 60s, but I love music from the 80s, right? I took my daughter to a concert in Dallas and we're from, we were from New York. So this concert had eight groups and it had a weird combination of groups. It had Stone Temple Pilots and it had Candlebox, right? And it had a group called I Prevail. All she wanted to see was that group called I Prevail. I watched the other seven bands and she fell asleep during the concert. It just goes to show you that you just, you know, you expose your kids to whatever you like, but don't expect them to like it. That is such a good lesson. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's really true. I actually try to take my own children to things that I'm interested in. Like I have an upcoming potential film project that I'm going to work on. And I said to my older son, I said, hey, would you like to be a PA on it? Would you like to just help out on set? He kind of shrugged me off, but I've taken my daughter to live in-person interviews that I've done or speaking events or networking things that I've done. I like to bring my husband along so he can meet some creatives. He's an engineer yeah. type. Yeah. That's excellent. I think it's great. One of my my pastimes that a lot of people don't know about is I love to jog over the biggest bridges. I've done the Great Golden Gate Bridge in both ways in San Francisco. I've done the Lionsgate Bridge in Vancouver. And my daughter saw that and she decided that she wanted to go for track and field in high school. I never went for track and field. I was not a jogger in high school. I was more of a smoker, believe it or not. I smoked for a long time. I quit, became a jogger. And my daughter would jog with me and she would say, Daddy, I'm faster than you. I said, fine, be faster than me. And sometimes when I tried to meet with her, she actually was faster than me. And I loved it because she showed how ambitious she was, but she was on the track and field team, which is something I didn't do. So I lived vicariously that way through her. And like you said, you take your kids to things you like and your kids hopefully will enjoy it. But if not, then you take, you know, your kids kind of take you to things they like and you live vicariously that way too, you know? So it's just, you know, being a parent is is a lot of challenges, you know, but- I love that. I really do love what you just said because I feel like my parents wanted to put me in a zillion activities. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, was that for you or for me? Because you put me in so many, like, I wish you would have just focused me on the one that I wanted to do. Yeah, I'll tell you a good thing. I I wanted my daughter to get into sports. I coached soccer for three years. I I was a soccer player. But the first year I coached that soccer team, they put my daughter on my team, right? Like Your kids always go on the teams that you're coaching. She was not interested in soccer whatsoever. And all the players would be on one side of the field. She'd be dilly-dallying on the other side of the field. It's not a good feeling when you're the coach of the team. <laughs> but but I just said, okay, you don't want to play tennis? You want to play soccer? Fine, don't play soccer. I'm going to continue to coach anyway. Nobody understood that next season when I came back without my daughter. I said, guys, I love coaching the kids. My daughter's not interested. Why do I have to not be a coach? You know, so that's what happened. But I tried. You know, I tried to get her into it. That's cute. She's just not an athlete. Yeah, she wasn't an athlete, but then she became track and field like a runner. So eventually she did catch up with the sports. I love that. We tried to put my oldest in soccer and he was more interested in the goalie who was doing cartwheels. I was like, oh no, this isn't good. (laughs) That's funny. So we only did that one season. Yeah. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Tell me about how you coined the term podcasting network, how you use those development chops and your marketing chops and built this huge community of close to a thousand podcasts now. That's great. Well, for those people who just got into podcasting, probably like around when the, the pandemic, I started the podcast network when podcasting became big in 2005. A lot of people don't even know podcasting was even that, that long ago. So when I was in college, I wanted to be a radio DJ. I was into heavy metal. I was into groups like, you know, Drew's Priest, Metallica, all that. And I just saw Metallica a month ago. I just wanted to play my favorite song. Unfortunately, the DJs were over overbooked. The radio station was full and it couldn't take me. So I always had that bug to be a radio DJ. Come 2005, when I saw a book in Barnes and Noble called Introduction to Podcasting, it was a silver book written by the Blueberry Network's own Todd Cochran. A lot of people might know him as, you know, he's, he started the Blueberry Network. I talked to him a few times, read the book. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Now I have my chance to be a, a podcaster. Now, being a musician, I wanted to promote unsigned artists. And this is in my the newspaper article too. I wanted to promote unsigned artists, including my own music. And I don't know how, but I did something right. I got all the search engines with my one show. My first podcast was called Fresh Music Series, rightly so, rightly named. And then I realized, why am I going to limit? I wanted to play music and I wanted to work like a radio network, a TV network. This was when podcasting first began. There was no term called podcast network that I knew of. And I wanted to build a website that was not just music, that was sports, technology, business, investing, finance. And that's what I did. And before I knew it, I had 20 podcasts. People were joining. I started charging them. Of course, we started for free. Like, wait a minute, I have something like a radio network, but it's made a podcast. There was no podcast networks around that I knew of. I called it the Long Island because that's where I was at the time, the Long Island Podcast Network. And a lot of people still ask me where Long Island is. It's the peninsula to the east of New York City. Jerry Seinfeld came from there, Blue Oyster Cult. Pat Benatar, Alec Ball, all the Bowens. That list goes on. I think Ray Romano came from there. So basically it was like that for literally about 10 years. And then I decided, why am I limiting myself to Long Island? Let's become a New York City podcast network and did that for about a good five years. And then I'm like, you know what? I just want to take over the world. <laughs> so let's just call it the World Podcast Network. But the story about me coining the term was literally that I started my first network in 2006. And that's when podcasting became popular. So everybody at that time was just doing one podcast at a time. And that's why I think I coined it. I love it. Have you crossed paths with any of those people that you mentioned grew up in Long Island? Believe it or not, I worked on the campaign of podcasting Billy Joel sax player at the time was Richie Kanata. Now, Richie Kanata, Billy Joel has two sax players, but the first one was him. And he's the sax player that you hear on Just The Way You Are. That's in a saxophone solo on It's Still Rock and Roll To Me. He had a recording studio, a huge one that was literally blocks from my house when I lived on Long Island. I'm in New Jersey right now. He recorded, obviously, Billy Joel, Ray Charles when he was alive, Jessica Simpson, I believe, Mark Anthony, Jennifer Lopez. Like when Jennifer Lopez grew up in the Bronx, she used to go to... It's called Coke City Sound Studios. I'm like, oh, wow. So I would say that's about as close God. And as at one moment in time, Billy Joel did 10 nights in Madison Square Garden. Richie Kanata couldn't make his own band. So he asked me to play because I actually play saxophone. I play saxophone, guitar, and keyboards and piano. So at that time, he heard my saxophone. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it. It was 
opportunity of a lifetime and I had to let it go because I had another important date already set, but it was nice to be asked. And he actually helped me get podcasting off the ground on Long Island. So at that point in November of 2006, Newsday, the biggest newspaper on Long Island, wrote a whole page in the story, the birth of a podcast network. So if they're calling it the birth of a podcast network, I can legally say I coined the term. Definitely. Were you able to propel that any further? Unfortunately, the writer who was there was not there anymore. There was another writer who I became friends with, and her name is Jamie Herslake. She's a really good writer. I had my web design firm at the time too. So she wrote me up several times in Newsday. I said, you know what? My podcast network is growing. Maybe I can reach out to Jamie and do like a refresher article. And I showed, look, here's here's the original article. From, his name is Stephen Snyderman. And unfortunately, she did the article, but her focus or her editor's focus was not on the podcast network. It was on particular podcasters. So I was a little disappointed. But yeah, we've been written up on publications and things like that too. At this moment, there are hundreds of podcast networks out there. But I have the article to prove it from 2006. And the article says birth of a podcast network. So I literally still am sticking to my story. I would too. Yeah, that's a great line. Have you thought about maybe even like putting that on the front page of your site? I'm so happy that after all those years, I still had that newspaper article. And just last year, I scanned it in. It was hard to scan it because it was a big, it wasn't a little newspaper. It was a huge size. I've got what the size is. These tabloids back then, they're probably not so big anymore because the internet, you don't need anything with the internet now. But basically, I now have it digitized. It's also, believe it or not, in the way back. And I I went back yesterday and I looked at when I first started the network back in February of 2006. That's when we first went live. And the Wayback Machine was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made all that, you know, it's a, and how we've grown since then. But yeah, I think that I am actually going to put that on the new, on the, the podcast network itself. So yeah. Also, I think you should make the article shareable where it can be shared by all of the podcasters on your podcast network by making it accessible via Twitter. Facebook, you know, all of the social media icons so people can just share it easily because you have so many people in your network. They shouldn't even have to sign on to your network. I mean, obviously it should bring them to your network so they can check it out, but just even so they could share that article, I think would be really useful. What do you think? Oh, I think it's a great idea. And yes, I thought about that at times. I mean, I just actually see right now we're promoting a lot. Like we at on February 17th, we have pod no 2024. So we're starting to market that. We just hired a social media marketing manager. So she is also going to take that newspaper article. She's focusing on Twitter and then she's oh, now it's called X because Elon Musk bought it out. So she's focusing on X and then she's going to focus on Instagram. We're a little late to the game with the social media game, but we're going to be there. And yes, I told her, I want you to promote this article so people know that we've had longevity, which is the biggest thing. So, you know. Cool. Yeah. So tell me about this upcoming event that you're doing. So Podno 2020 24 is the second, it's actually technically the third event that we've had. I started Podno. Now, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but back in 2006, Chris Brogan, who a lot of people know, and I'm very, do you know who Chris Brogan is? I've heard you talk about your admiration for the events that he used to do, right? Yeah, it's, it's amazing because I met him back in 2006 and he's been written up in so many social media books. I didn't know he was that big. His mailing list is 70,000 people. He was just somebody who I, I like, oh, just another person, right? But as I saw people covering him on social media, I realized he's really huge. So he started with another gentleman named Chris Penn, Pod Camp. 
that started in Boston, went to New York City, and went all over the United States. I don't know if they were outside the United States. I spoke in the one in New York City and the one in Boston about a very interesting subject that people don't know. Called uh, It's basically how to market your RSS feed. People don't understand what the RSS feed does. They only see the orange symbol, but it's the most powerful marketing tool, which I'll explain at Podno. But PodCamp is no longer available. And I think they did a fantastic job organizing it. So I picked it up. It's Podno. We did the first one in 2021, June 26th, and that went really well. 2022, I was just unfortunately too busy. 2023, last year, it unfortunately had a bit of a security issue, which I had to cancel it. I was a little disappointed. So now we're doing it again on February 17th of next year. We still have the speakers lining up. People are still coming to me saying, hey, I want to be a speaker. So we're analyzing their presentation to see if they're valuable. So that event is, we're going to actually put the banner up next week once I have all the speakers. And basically it's on everything from monetization to audience growth, to marketing, branding. Everybody who comes, who speaks is an expert in their field who I've been dealing with some time. We even have an internet radio expert from Germany, from Frankfurt, Germany, who's going to be on, who has an amazing podcast plus nine online radio stations. So I've asked him to have a presentation on how can you treat your podcast like a radio station, which I think is amazing, right? What a great um, topic. Yes, I'm definitely interested in that. His name is Jorn Mellinger. He just tells me to call him Joe. <laughs> but his name in Germany is Jorn. And I don't even know if I'm even pronouncing that right. But a uh, nice guy. He speaks very clear, fluent English. So obviously he's, you know, I, you can't have anyone else with, that's not English. He's worked with people from all over the United States. So he knows what he's doing. We have another gentleman who, believe it or not, I think might've been on your podcast, Rob Greenlee. I Rob haven't Greenlee. interviewed him. I think I am connected to him. There is yeah. someone I just interviewed who I know you've collaborated with a lot, Adam Adams. Oh yeah. Yeah. Adam, I was on his podcast too. Yeah. He's a very big client of mine. So about 40 of his clients are on our network. So he's a very big contributor. I've asked him to speak, but he turned me down. Oh. <laughs> Rob Greenlee is the senior vice president of creative for Podbean. And he used to be Libsyn. I was honored to have him do the keynote speech. So he's doing a keynote. We just have more speakers lining up. I'm excited and I can't reveal everybody just yet. But yeah, I handpick all the speakers myself. I usually get about 50 speakers applying. I can only have 10. So it's a tough decision. And sometimes I just wait until I get an influx of presentations to choose from. I choose the people who I have relationships with first, because obviously I know who what their presentation is going to be like. And I listen to the podcast. I think it's, a you know, I, I know what these people are capable of teaching. I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, that's what's going to happen. That sounds February fantastic. 17th. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think even, I don't know what your thoughts are about this, but, you know, people that are on your podcast network, maybe some of them can put the banner on their website. I mean, I know people that have been on my podcast, like if they're putting on an event or if they have a new book coming out, I'm always like, keep me abreast of what you're doing. And I'm happy to throw a link in my Instagram bio. You're oh, able yeah. to have multiple links on different social media platforms. So like I have podcasters who are doing things in the future and I, and, and a lot of times I'll help promote them and just, yeah. you know, if they give you, me a graphic or if they give me a banner or if they give me a link or, you know what I mean? It's just keeps our relationship going. Like you yeah, said, you want to work with people a, who you have relationships with. They get first priority. Yes. I also try to do that. Oh, absolutely. Because these are people, you know, are going to deliver, you know, they're reliable and you've spoken to them before and you have your trust in them. Right. And that's really important. But you know, Rena, I see what you do. You do an amazing job also. I know that one of the people who are in your list who came to me and said that you promoted us, I think the guest exchange you promoted was Greg Wasserman from Cast Magic. Yeah. Yeah. He told me what a great job you did promoting us. So thank you for 
that and give a shout out to, to Greg himself, who I've had conversations with. He might be a sponsor on Podno as well. So that's a cool thing. And yeah, you do a great job of social media marketing. I unfortunately don't have the time. So that's why I hired Cindy. Her name is Cindy Springsteen. No relation to Bruce Springsteen. Who, yeah, I know. I, I thought all the Springsteens would be related to Bruce, but no. She's the new social media marketing manager. She does a great job. And then I actually hired her son, Danny, who's doing a great job as the guest exchange manager. So now he goes out. You might've seen emails from Danny. He actually does all the connections. So he's pushing the guest connections along. I build the guest exchange. I know all the guest exchanges out there. I know Podmatch. I'm really good, you know, good acquaintances with Alex Sanfilippo who owns it. And what we have been doing is we are literally pushing along the connections. I've written an algorithm. Whatever the bio is of both the podcaster and the guest, and this is where my marketing visionary comes in, it matches like an AI tool. And it shows Danny that the podcasters who are relevant with the guests. And he goes and he makes that connection. They both get an email. But what I do is I programmed it to hide the emails. Everybody gets a BCC because we don't want to spam anybody. We don't want people like, we don't want to give out people's addresses. So the way it works is when one person responds, I say to them, okay, we're going to give your email address to this other party, right? Whether you're the guest of the podcaster, do I have your permission? And obviously they say yes, because and we do that. And then we actually just give the email address to the other party. And then from that point, we're out of it. Like we just mark it down in our database that the connection is done and it's up to them to coordinate the time and date. So it's, it's really cool. It's working out well. I just hired Danny about six weeks ago. Uh, he's doing a fantastic job. I would love to so. know your thoughts on, because like you said, there are a lot of agencies that do this service. Yes. If someone is paying an agency, let's just say a couple thousand a month for guaranteed placements on people's podcasts, do you think that that agency should throw the podcaster a couple hundred bucks because podcasters have expenses too? And if they're top rated and they're editing and they're reading a book and they're taking hours of their time to interview their people, what are your thoughts about that? That's a tough question. And first of all, I agree with you 100% when you say podcasters should be paid. Podcasters are very hard workers. I mean, Adam Adams has his own editing, like his editing team. Most podcasters don't, right? They do the work of editing. They do the work of buying the equipment. That's an investment, right? It's just their time to do it. You want to market it. You want to do your social media. You want to do your branding. That's all good. And yes, you want to be paid for that. But when it comes to these agencies that get paid, okay, I don't know about actually paying the podcaster yet, but I want to answer the first part of this question. I don't particularly like that. And I'll tell you why. And this is from my own experience. I've been contacted by those agencies and I don't sometimes even agree that the guest is relevant for my own show, right? How can you guarantee a podcast interview for a guest if the podcaster themselves hasn't promised you that yes I will accept every single guest that you send me to me that's not effective guessing and it might not be fair to the guest because if the agency like I mean I run a podcast network an agency comes to me and they they've been podcaster paying them a couple of thousand dollars like you said to get guaranteed placement so they come to me and they want to put me on a food podcast right unless I'm a food unless I'm a, a critic or I'm, I'm a gourmet or I'm a chef it's not going to make any sense. I don't believe that they can actually get you guaranteed placement, right? I've turned down half the guests that have been sent to me through podcasting guest agencies, right? That's why I wrote the AI tool within the podcast network to do the matching. We're like a matchmaker. And you know, it'd be kind of cool. I, I would love to do a, a, a mobile app, like a Tinder app, a Tinder app where you match the guests with the podcaster and you say, oh, that guest is really cool for my podcast. Great. Swipe right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I think that would be so cool. So I, I think that's a great idea. And as a matter of fact, we're actually having a mobile app built for 
the network. So really cool. But yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool. Like, like a, like a Tinder for podcasts and guests. <laughs> I'm with you. And I just want to give you some kudos because yeah. I, everything you just said, I completely agree with. I also turned down many pitches because in the pitch, it's not even like they've listened to my show. They're just telling me all about their person, like nothing about the fact that they've done any sort of research or have any sort of tool that, no. that matched us or any reason, really. They just want to get their people placed. So I'm with you. And when you were describing what you've built, I did feel like you were a matchmaker because a matchmaker <laughs> talks to both parties and yeah. one party can tell the matchmaker if they're not interested. And then they're the go-between where the podcaster doesn't have to feel bad for not liking right. the suggestion. So I like that feature, to be honest. Yeah, no, thank you. I just took that to one step further now because we, we, we built a portal now, right? So the guests can log into the portal and manage their whole entire guest profile and the podcasters can too. Uh, we're the only podcast network that I know that actually does that, right? Most of the podcasters, they used to come to me and say, oh, I want to change that name. I want, I, I'm on a different platform. Can you change the RSS feed address? Can you change this? Oh, I have a, I'm not an Instagram anymore. Take my into. You know what? We got so backed up doing that, that as a program, I'm like, you know, let me just build a tool that they can actually manage them themselves. So now what we did with the matchmaking was when you log in, now both the podcaster and the guest can see the coordinations, the, the connections. It will say pending, rejected, or accepted. It's that simple. My guest ma uh, exchange manager, mark it down. Oh, okay. The podcaster accepted, fine. When the guest logs in, they'll see the, the podcast or vice versa, you know, or rejected or whatever, but it always stays pending. We give them the total control to say, yes, I accept or no, I don't. And it, it's great because then you don't have to wait. So it's, it's cool. It's all automated now. Yeah, that's a great idea. I want to see this app matchmaking come into play. That sounds like a it, great it was, idea. It, yeah, it was just a thought. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a marketing visionary. <laughs> so, you know, but but like I said, you know, if I get if I can program something, that's the thing. I mean, my my number one thing is marketing. And I think the programming and the web development is really something that helps me realize my visions, you know, and I think it's great. I'm not really a mobile app developer, but I know I know how to program so I can talk to developers. So right now I'm actually interviewing a few mobile app developers is right now telling them what I want, getting designs and things like that. And I mean, I'm hoping that the app will be out at least a preliminary usable version by, I would say the end of the year. That, that's kind of my my deadline. So we'll hope, hopefully that I'll make it. Right before your event, that would be perfect. Yes. Also, I want you to talk to me a little bit about marketing because I feel like marketing is really one of the number one areas in which podcasters struggle. I agree with that. I noticed that a lot of people come to me and ask me, oh, how can your network grow my show? And at that point, I'm thinking we're doing the marketing, right? We're still doing search and optimization. We're still doing search. I mean, I was doing social media marketing, but at one point I just had to stop doing it. Podcasters have to know one important fact. They have to know where their audience is. And that comes from the type of category or the genre of their podcast, right? Not every podcast is going to be effective on Facebook or Twitter, X now, or LinkedIn, right? You have to know your audience. And if you want to grow your audience, and I get people telling me, oh, I want to grow my audience. Okay, grow your audience. But do you know who your audience is? Do you know the demographics? And that's another important thing too. People don't understand that either. In marketing, the one important thing about selling your product and service is what is your target market? And when I say target market, what's the demographics? What's the psychographics? 
there's actually four areas. I just want to make this very brief. You hear demographics, but a lot of people don't know what it is. Psychographics, geographics, obviously where you live and where your audience is living, and technographics. If you can figure that out, you know how to market your podcast. And let me briefly, demographics is everything from your classification. Are you married? What's your marital, what's your marital status? What's your parental status? What's your education? What's your race? What's your color? What, what religion are you? I've seen podcasts with one religion marketing to a different religion. They're not going to grow. <laughs> you know, you have to know where your target market is. Psychographics is what is the lifestyle of your podcast audience, right? What's the sexual orientation? Are you gay? Are you straight? Are, and obviously there's a lot of LGBTQ podcasts now, right? And most of the audiences are LGBTQ. There's a lot of sports podcasts. Well, if you're sports and you're baseball, don't market yourself to where the football fans are, right? If you are into, you know, let's say cuisine, if you're a food podcaster, don't market yourself to somebody who's in the sports. Geographic, same thing right you know where where does your audience live where are you marketing to where physically and technographics is what technology are they using are they on smartphones are they not on smartphones right maybe you have a podcast that caters to senior citizens well maybe senior citizens you know they're not going to be on tiktok right well i don't know where where senior citizens would be but they're definitely not going to be on tiktok and snapchat Right? The ones that are, um, are cool though. Yeah, they are, right? I mean, they're probably going to be on Facebook. Right? They're probably going to be business people on LinkedIn. You got to know. So once you figure that out, that's where you focus your social media marketing on. Tell people, and here's what you market. You market your new episodes. You market your, I mean, I see this on the network all the time. Market your episodes. You market any famous places you've been. And to me, that will work. That will grow your audience. A lot of podcasters don't do that. I think it would be hysterical to literally come up with an episode where you break down all of those things about yourself. Yeah, that would be cool. That's a cool idea. I have a list, I would say probably about 25 episode ideas. I have these episode ideas. Obviously, I want to teach podcasters. And the reason why I started this podcast was because people are coming to me asking me the same questions over and over again. And I think that's great. They see me as an authority. They see me as an influencer because if if they didn't, I wouldn't be getting all those common questions. So wanted to start the podcast network. I'm sorry, the podcast itself and answering all the questions I get. I have a list of my own, always writing down my ideas for episodes. I just do what I feel is important at that moment, right? Sometimes they're not related. Now I will tell you, and I had to unfortunately take this down last year. I won't tell, I won't get into the reason why, but I'm going to put another one up at the end of this year. There's a really important, very cool type of podcast episode that most podcasters don't put out, that I put out. And I think everybody should. And that is, the blooper reel. Do you have one, Rena? I have put out many clips of bloopers and I mean, yes. they amuse me. I think they're fun. Show people how many times it takes to create an intro where you're happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I have one of me like calling my dad and him giving me ideas and what I like, what I don't like, just showing that, oh, that yeah. we collaborate on putting together the intros or even show how many times my dad asks, are you recording? I did like a loop of my dad saying like, I'm on, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Are recording that's funny yeah no i think it's i think it's awesome i mean and not just bloopers more just like funny moments you know did you say something stupid and everybody laughs you know it's really cool you take that you, you put into a, a compilation and you have a really funny episode i can't tell you all of my guests that made me laugh just when somebody laughs you want that in the blooper reel or maybe just call it the funniest moments it always gets a lot of downloads it's one of the biggest i mean i use anchor you know a lot of people use anchor and buzzsprout and all that but i think 
that when you look at your analytics, that blooper reel always gets high amount of downloads and listens. It's very, it's very popular. So, That's a great put idea. End, yeah. Put at the end of the year, of the year, you know, like a Christmas episode or something, you know, <laughs> that's kind of cool. I love that idea to put out a whole episode of, I mean, people do best of, so why not do like funniest, like funniest exactly. moments? I, I think it's great. And I look back and I laugh at it too. And I'm like, holy, I'm like, wow, I don't remember saying that. Cause you go back and listen to all your episodes and that's, it is a lot of work. You want to listen to every single episode you came out with during the year. That's a lot of listening, <laughs> you know, but you're like, oh, that's cool. I want to put that in my blooper reel. I mean, so, Seinfeld does it. Right? Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond does it. They all do it. So why not? Yeah, that's genius. I also wanted to ask you, I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Do you go yeah. back and listen to old episodes? Do you critique yourself? How are you improving yourself? And what's that process look like? Oh, all the time. I listen to my voice at the time. And my the biggest problem that I see a lot of podcasters have, and this is normal as a human being, but it's not so fun when you're listening to it, are all the filler words, right? The ums, the ahs. I hear so many times when I forgot to take it out. And I think to myself, did I just rush over it? Did I just not listen to it? Or did I actually forget about it? Or was I just lazy? But that really resonates with your audience when you do that extra work. And I have heard podcasters every five words, blah, 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 um, blah, 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 um, blah, 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 um. I can't even listen to those. And I literally listen to five to seven episodes a day. I have to. It's my job, right? It's a lot of work. I've listened to a lot of your episodes, right? I listen to every... Now, what, now one idea I had with the podcast network, and I've already implemented this, are the likes. Now, I don't know if I've told you this, Rena, but basically we have a likes system, sort of like social media. If you log into the portal, you can add podcasts to your likes. You're basically following those podcasts. And then when you go back into the network, you you only see the episodes of the podcast you like. So if you're not into football and it's a football podcast, you don't like it and it doesn't show up. Or if you're only into parentals type of podcast, like you're like your own, right? Or you're into food or you can hit the heart button and it shows up in your likes and you only hear those episodes. We're also going to do a playlist. So you'll be able to add episodes to your playlist. That's in the future. You got to understand, like I said, in the beginning of this episode, I'm always thinking of new ideas and I, I want to be an end all be all. We're also building a podcaster, a podcaster marketplace. I have somebody already building it where you can buy microphones and buy the phone that you put on the wall. I just called it phone thingy, which is funny, but the phone panels, you can buy the recording equipment. I mean, I'm a musician, so I know all that. The podcasting arms and hang down. I mean, you you have yours. I see it. Yep. I just bought one. And we're getting a lot of affiliate programs. We're doing Amazon. We're doing Timu. Timu's huge now. We're doing Barnes. We're going to do podcasting books. So when you log into the portal, we're going to be featuring products, you know? So a lot of that is coming out in 20, 2024. I'm really excited about it. I've hired a staff of people now. So we're, I got a team and it's, I mean, we have, we have a podcast relations team. If you're not happy with something on the network, fill the contact form out and somebody will get back to you in a, within a couple of hours. I just want it to be that type of thing. But yeah, I was saying that I always tell people, go back and edit your podcast, give it some love because if you don't, your audience is not going to love it either. And you'll lose members. I, like I said, I can't listen to somebody who says, um, five times. I mean, five, every five words. I've heard a teenager, a teenager podcast like 
like, like. We're going to talk like, but uh, oh my gosh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> so it's like, I can't listen to that stuff. And teenagers think that's pretty cool. Yeah, when you're talking to another teenager, that's fine, right? But if you're talking to an adult, I don't want to hear you say like every 10 words, <laughs> you know? And my big filler word, and you probably heard it about a hundred times already in this episode is, you know. I always say, you know, you know, you know, you know. I go back, I'm like, holy mackerel, did I listen, did I say it that much? Like so after a while, you don't even hear it. You don't hear yourself do it until you go back and listen to it. So that's my big weakness. And I'm always editing that out. I mean, you it's your choice if you want to edit out anyway, but I'm always editing that. I'm like, why, when did I even say, you know? <laughs> and if it bothers me, I know it's going to bother my audience. So you need literally pay attention to what you're saying. And if you can't pay attention during the actual recording, you need to listen very carefully when you're editing the episode. That's, that's my advice to everybody. Yeah, I'm with so. you there. I cut those out. I am curious, have you offered services previously that you don't continue now to offer? That's a really good question. And I have to think back to this. The answer is always yes. I had a web development firm for a very long time. I actually worked, I had some very big clients for a while. I had the three biggest clients I had were, believe it or not, the NBA. Okay. I worked on a lot of the basketball websites, the basketball teams, the Minnesota Grizzlies, the New York Knicks, the, the Brooklyn Nets, one of the Los Angeles teams. I think, I think it was the Lakers. I, I'm not sure. It might've been, but anyway, another client was the Radio City Rockettes, where I managed their web team. And I also managed the team with the National Enquirer. But after about 22 years of building websites, I actually stopped doing it as a business and it focused strictly on the podcast. So that's a big service. People come to me now and they still say, can you build my website? I turn them all down. I have other friends who are web developers. Give me a commission. You'll get this client. I always get a kickback, which is cool. And I know who I trust and it works out that way. I think I've had one client this year and that was a law firm. <laughs> so that was it. And I'm just focusing on the podcast network now. It just got web development, got too competitive. Other services, this is now here's a trend that was not popular when Facebook became as popular as it was. I mean, now Facebook is obviously competing with TikTok and it's competing with, I mean, TikTok is probably the biggest ones. And I'm sure Elon Musk has plans to propel X, right? But when Facebook pages first came out, I had a service of building Facebook pages for businesses. I would charge a fluffy $300 to build a Facebook page for a small business. But I had a lot of businesses coming to me. It was something I'm all I was doing for a very long time, making a lot of money doing it. And then eventually Facebook just, I don't know, like I just, some something about Facebook, I just lost interest in when all the other social networks started becoming more popular. But it was, I, I think it was, if I had to think back, it was 2012, making a lot of money doing Facebook pages. I spoke to a business networking group of about 400 people in the Sheraton once. And I told them, I said, Facebook at that time was not owning businesses. It was just individuals. The big network at the time was LinkedIn. And LinkedIn was the only social network that was promoting businesses. And Facebook obviously decided to, to do that, right? They decided to get into the business game and they did. And I told 400, I, I, it was really funny because actually it was 2009, it wasn't 2012. I told 400 small business owners, don't go to Facebook, don't use Facebook. Facebook isn't promoting your business, right? A year later, that's when I got into it. And I contacted all those people. I'm not 
going to say all of them. I would like to say all of them, but a big percentage of them came back and hired me to build their Facebook page. It was just being at the right place at the right time and seeing the opportunity unfold in front of you. Obviously, you know, you got to grab opportunities from time to time. And here's the other thing too. People always say when a big invention comes out, right? A money-making invention. They, what's the first thing that people say, Rena? You want to be an early adopter. Well, yeah, but but what do they actually say? Like, what's the, they actually say, I wish I would have thought of that. That too. <laughs> And I don't know how many times I said that about these little stupid inventions that you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is making millions of dollars and he probably didn't put much work into it. But with a website, I don't have to ever say that. I get the idea and I do it because I don't have to say it. Anything I've thought of, I've actually done. And I think that's what you have to do. People have to just seize the opportunity. With podcasters, they have to find the audience. And now once you get that audience, I know everybody wants to make money. I get it. That's the biggest question. How do I monetize my podcast. And I tell people, you can't monetize your podcast until you grow your audience. But once you grow your audience, then you think about monetization. It won't work any other way. You, you can't monetize. You can't make money off of nobody, right? So you build the audience, get the trust. And then once you do that, think about what does my audience want? What's the pain point? What can my podcast fill in their lives that they're not getting? And how do you figure all that out? Well, that's up to the podcaster. But can I sell a product through an affiliate program, right? Is there something that may Maybe like if you are a food podcaster, maybe you are a chef and your audience is made of chefs and they come to you for recipes, right? You can sell this really cool recipe book from Martha Stewart. Like I'm just making it up. Say, look, I'm going to now show you, and it might not be an audio, it might be a video podcast on YouTube. I'm going to show you how to make this recipe. And Martha Stewart, it's in her book. And I really think that you should buy this book. Here's the book. Here's the cover, right? You see this all the time. People promote their books, do a video and say, I love this book. I love this author. You guys should go out and get it. I'm putting the link in my show notes in my podcast and you better make sure that's an affiliate link. So you get a percentage of that, right? You do that. Or maybe you're just an expert, right? In, in your field and your audience knows that. Well, you can sell, and I know a lot of people do this, you can sell hourly consulting fees and teach people how to get into it or do the work for them, right? And a lot of podcasters miss that opportunity. So that's what, that's what I tell people. Do you do that? Can people buy time with you? They do. I'm not going to be cheap either. I mean, I, I run a network and see me this way. The one thing I'm not, or at least I don't see myself as just yet, is an influencer. That's my next goal. <laughs> I look at you, Rena, as an influencer because you have a I huge I think you audience. are. I Thank think you. you need to own well, that term too. Well, no, that term came before I actually thought of it. But yeah, I think that I want to do that. I do have hourly services. And I, I will tell people that Fiverr.com, have you been on Fiverr? Have you bought or sold anything on Fiverr? Yes. What do you think of that website? I think that people on Fiverr need to be vetted. Yes. I will tell people that I have been a Fiverr seller for 11 years. I was also the first chairman of Fiverr's community team in New York City. And they have two communities. They have New York and they have San Francisco in the United States. Uh, they probably have other cities that I don't know about, but I know that those two cities were their biggest ones. And they're huge in London, they're huge in Tel Aviv because Fiverr is an Israeli company. People don't know that, right? If you attend Fiverr's webinars, they're all people with Israeli accents. <laughs> they're all from Israel. I missed that. No, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, next time you go to Fiverr's webinar, listen, listen carefully to the speakers. They all have Israeli accents and they all know what they're talking about. They're all experts in what they do. They all work for Fiverr. I think, I think they do. And they have a huge building in Tel Aviv. So I was going to go to Tel Aviv and I was gonna, going to take a tour of the building. But unfortunately, that opportunity got, got 86th by the pandemic. Darn and pandemic. And they weren't allowing people... 
<laughs> yeah, I'll reschedule that trip another time. But basically, if you look up five the Fiverr building, it's in Tel Aviv. It's like a, I think it's like a four story building. It's not a little office. Podcasters can literally become sellers on Fiverr, and they can sell things. They can sell their services on Fiverr, right? So I tell that to people all the time. I might actually do a podcast episode on that. Now, how do you make money on Fiverr with your podcast? I really believe very heavily in that. I was a top rated seller for a long time. It's very hard to keep it. Very hard to get it. I was one for a while, and I hit that goal finally. Now I'm just a second second level seller. I'm still getting sales every day. And a lot of those people are podcasters. So it's it's really good. I think just find a way to build your audience and make money if you really want to monetize. Are you driven by money or impact? I'm driven by impact. I'm not driven by money, but I obviously we need money to live. But that's the biggest question I do get is how do I monetize my podcast? So it might sound like I'm, I'm into money, but you know what? This is what I would say. If you love what you do and you've grabbed all the opportunities, the money will come anyway. Like stop thinking about monetizing your podcast. Stop thinking about making money. Just do what you love. Put the content out there. Make your audience happy. And then when you see an opportunity come, it might be monetization. It might be something else. It might be branding. It might be building an audience, right? Grab it and get onto it and let your audience come for that ride. I'm saying the ride, the word ride. Let the audience come for that ride with you. The money will come, you know, stop worrying. Just build your trust up with your audience. That's the biggest thing. I absolutely love that. I just wanted to ask you one final question. Can you talk just a little bit about Media Girl Network, New York Podcast Network, latest podcast website.com? Sure, absolutely. These are ideas that I had along the way. Now, once the podcast network is built, it's basically, the it's like the mothership. All these other podcast networks are really just niche podcast networks. I had, now the Media Girl Network was an idea that came to me when I just saw a lot of women, pod, like female hosted podcasts joining the network. I wanted to group that. I actually saw a bunch of women hosted podcast networks out there. I said, wow, why can I get into that game? Right? And I did. And what happened was, believe it or not, and latest podcast episodes as well, latest podcast episodes is really just just, it's, it's not the prettiest looking website. It's really just focused on the episodes themselves and not the podcast. These two networks were built with Facebook's technology called React.js. It was re- Facebook and Instagram are actually built on that technology and built by Meta. And I decided to build those podcast networks off of that as well. This, it's just a great technology. It's lightweight, it loads fast. And that's what happened. So I'm always thinking of building niche networks, but I'm not going to build them as pretty as the, as the podcast network itself. They're just going to be, I'm thinking of doing a finance one because I get a lot of investors like now with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. There's a lot of podcasts out there. But the one thing I do want to say is, again, I'm always thinking of ideas to market the podcast. One technology I launched last year is holiday promotion. So whatever the holidays are that are coming up. And now this is during the New York Podcast Network days. Now with as the World Podcast Network, I have to be more, I have to learn more about the holidays around the world, which you probably don't know, right? We're used to United States holidays and some of the religious holidays around that that most Americans are, right? So when you have a, a Christmas title, a Hanukkah title, Thanksgiving, 4th of July, I think Valentine's Day, I'm, I'm losing now, St. Patrick's Day and Easter. You put specific synonyms in your title. There's a special webpage that comes up around those holidays that show only the podcast episodes that have those titles in them. You put the word Christmas in there, you're going to show up on the Christmas. And there's actually New Year's Eve too. And we put that right on the homepage and people love it because that's what's going on at that time. I just did a 4th of July promotion too. So you get any, like if you put like two weeks before 4th of July episode has the word Independence Day, 4th of July, fireworks, things like that. Any remote synonym 
word that describes that holiday, you're going to show up on that list. And they get, they, those get a lot of traffic because people are looking for shows around those holidays, right? With those themes. So that's one thing I did. The other thing too is the leaderboard, right? The leaderboard, which you probably have seen, I think you've been on the leaderboard a couple of times. It's daily. And basically it changes. It's more of the work that the podcasters are doing themselves to promote themselves on the network. So there's, there basically are five factors. It's an AI, it's an algorithm and it ranks the podcast like Google ranks websites, right? So everybody that has a website has probably heard of search engine optimization. We have our own form. I just call it leaderboard optimization. It's not like SEO or anything like that, but there are things you can do to get your podcast more audience members because we have a huge coming to our network looking for podcasts, looking for episodes. So we give podcasters tools to promote themselves and it's been working out well. And really the only other piece of advice I want to give what you, and I know I'm all over the place with this. You asked how podcasters can market themselves. For those podcasters that have websites and have been doing search engine optimization, we know that it's about the title tags, it's about the links, it's about the meta tags. You can do all that with your podcast network. When you, and this is in one of my episodes on become a successful podcaster, when you have liner notes or show notes, use up the maximum number of characters, right? I think it's 4,000 characters for Anchor. Buzzsprout, I believe, is a little bit less than that. But type up, do the work, and type up what your show is about, that episode's about. Because those are, like Buzzsprout is very well optimized on Google. If you are using Buzzsprout and you're putting all those keywords in there in your show notes, they will show up in Google searches. People just don't see that, but I did. That's a great way of marketing yourself. Yeah, I listened to that episode. And <laughs> another tip that you gave as well is if you've written one version of the summary, you can just literally talk into like a transcription tool and reflect upon the episode and put that into chat GPT and say, rephrase this better and then add that to the show notes. Or you could even take the paragraph that you've already written and then put that into chat GPT and say, rephrase this and you'll get more material to add that way. Yeah, exactly. You can do that. I get a little cautious with those AI tools. And the reason why I say this, because somewhere along the line, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't understand those tools yet, but we are going to add that component as well to our network. Greg Wasserman already does it with Cast Magic, right? I've been talking to him about it. But somewhere along the line, those AI tools, I can't imagine that they're completely, un- to give you an unlimited variation of what you put in. Somewhere along the line, it's got to repeat itself. It has to have a dead end somewhere. I don't know if that would ever happen, but I can't fathom that it wouldn't. That's why I'm a little wary of those AI tools. You know, use, use those AI tools, but you there's something else you should do too. I mean, this is not easy. There's millions of people out there writing. Eventually, you're going to be writing the same type of content that someone else has out there, right? It's like listening to a hit song and then you hear another hit song and it sounds just like that. Like a, a good example, back in the 90s when Katie Lang came out with Constant Craving, remember that song, right? And yeah. the, Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stones came out with a song called, I forgot, but the Rolling Stones got sued by Katie Lang because that one song sounded like Constant Craving. There are so many songs like that, right? Somewhere along the line, when you write your content for your show notes, you're going to be copying somebody else, whether you know it or not. So I always tell people this too. You have to check what the AI tools do in Copyscape, right? You said Copyscape? Is that the anti-plagiarism tool? Yes. It's an anti-plagiarism tool. Somewhere along the line, you might get sued for copyright infringement. And copyright infringement technically is plagiarism, right? You should be checking all that. Yes, I get it. It's a lot more work. Maybe you don't want to do it, but it's better than hearing from somebody else. You just copied me, <laughs> you know, or getting a cease and desist letter from a lawyer, <laughs> you know, and that, there I go again saying, you know, basically that is what people should be doing. I and mean, it's not easy. 
I get it. And it's not a quick and dirty thing. I don't really trust the AI tools like that. I mean, I, I do use them, but I won't be using them every single time. I mean, I like my idea better. My original idea was to use a tool like Otter and you basically talk into it and let it type out what you're talking. I would say about 90% of the grammar is correct. It hears you correctly. The only thing I don't like, and this is going to be me sounding like a grammar geek, but the only thing it doesn't get right are the conjunctions. When you say the word but, and, and or, what it does is it puts a period at the end of like right before the conjunction. And then it starts a conjunction with a capital letter, something to the effect of today, we're going to talk about this particular podcast. I want to talk about this first. So it would be period capital B in the word but. Other than that, I've never seen grammar issues. I've never seen punctuation issues. So that is my only complaint. But Honor is great. Honor really saves you time. And if you feel like correcting those conjunction punctuation issues, you can do that too. But you don't have to. I mean, I don't think people really care. I mean, when you think about it, people are listening to your audio podcast or watching your video podcast, your show notes. Nobody really reads show notes. I don't read show notes. I just, I want to hear the podcaster, but really it's for Google. It's for search engine optimization. So that's what I say. I love it. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? I guess the one question I would ask your father is, how did you manage to raise such an amazing woman? That is, is so cool at what she does. Oh, that's sweet. How's that for a question? <laughs> also, I would like to just tell my audience that the World Podcasting Network can one, help grow your show. It can also introduce you to podcasting opportunities. And if you're a new podcaster, you're really generous in referring other people's services and music. And there's just a lot of opportunity there. And if you go to the World Podcasting Network, make sure to let Bruce know that you found the World Podcasting Network through Better Call Daddy. You were so kind to make a drop down menu that makes that an option. Oh, thank you very much, by the way. And actually, I call it the World Podcast Network, not podcast. World Podcast Network. Network. Well, let me ask you this. How many podcasters do you actually have in your audience, would you say? Hundreds. Okay. Then we have to definitely give you to shout out Rena, right? Rena has been amazing. You've already been an amazing supporter of the network for sure. And you've been an amazing supporter of my show. Make sure that if you, and I'm talking to your audience now, sign up for the World Podcast Network. There is a menu item and you just mentioned it, Rena. How did you hear of us? Make sure you select the Better Call Daddy podcast. I just made her a partner for this reason. I still see a lot of people do not fill out this particular menu. And I don't even know that sometimes Rena just won't get the credit. <laughs> so sometimes Rena says to me, she, she tells me this podcaster just joined under me. And I said, wait a minute, but he didn't select you. But I know, but you know who they are. So I'm going to obviously give you the credit. Please don't give me, that's a little bit, it kind of causes a delay. So definitely select that you heard of us through Rena's podcast. So Rena can get that credit. I will say that since I've joined your network, I have definitely noticed more downloads and Thank it's you. given That's me great. yeah and it just even with the free version and it's given me reason to re-reach out to people who have been on my show that have been voted up or their episode got featured as a pick where your staff listens to podcasts and they pick best ones and podcasters love hearing that so if other podcasts got voted up or if they've been picked as a staff favorite I copy 
copy and paste that message to make the person feel good and to share that with their audience and their friends. And I think that that's a really beautiful feature. Yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate that. We're always looking for those type of tools in the building. So I'm so honored to be on your podcast, Rena. I'm, I'm so happy with what you're doing with the network and you have been nothing but 110% supportive of everything that I've been into. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for coming on. And I can't wait to hear what my dad has to say. That will be included in the final edit. You've heard from my mom. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. This is a very interesting episode with Bruce. He's really trying to give you a lot of information and to share with your audience where podcasting has become a tool of communication in the modern era. Now, if you can't podcast, I like his terminology and yours that it's a matchmaking vehicle as well. It's got to be where things that you are interested in, you find the right match of people that are also interested in it. Otherwise, it makes no sense. What he has done is take many different subjects, whether it's finance or music, and here's the accounting background that he has comes into play, is that he's taking an accounting of all different people's networks and making it into a much larger network that he's put his stamp of approval on. So this way, people that are podcasting can also be united and be able to broadcast different interests to different people. And he's part of that. He's elevated podcasting to make it into and tie in all the variables so that if you come to his network, you can get a taste of whatever you're looking for. And he sincerely wants to try to build an audience, as you are in your show, of matching people with similar interests, where we can all learn from each other and add to our wisdom rating. And maybe a little business comes out of it too, but it'll happen naturally. Those that try to force it, what happens to you, to people that try to force it? It breaks. It doesn't work. So to be real and to be compassionate to your audience and to the people that are on your show, where you care about them as much as you care about yourself, you'll go a much longer way. And people will listen. And people will listen. And guess what? Cracking a joke here or there and making it where it isn't just plastic. Guess what? That makes it real. We want real people with real ideas and people that sincerely want to share it. And if you don't want to really share it, and you're just trying to sell somebody something, go to the store. <laughs> it's so that? noticeable. Oh, for sure. And the idea <laughs> is that let's keep it where we're all human. <laughs> and not a bunch of robots. And as you know, we are going to enter a new age where robots are going to take over all the phone calls and the, all the communications. As you know, I'm getting 50 to 75 calls a day of robots that then pass it on to a person. It's just awful. It's almost where you want to take your phone and throw it into the swimming pool. Okay. Isn't it much nicer to be able to communicate with people and have it real and where it's compassionate and sincere? That's being a hair repetitive, but that really is what the main point is, is let's match make people where it makes sense. Time is very short in our lives. Let's get involved in the things that we really want to do and that we really have a love for and see if there are other people that can share those same 
values that you have, if we share it with other people, maybe that's the way to make a little better world. And it's not just a popularity contest with the robots. That's right. I really thought there was a lot of hints of marketing that he gave you as well. People can get a lot out of this episode. I think that it's very interesting also in the beginning of the conversation is that we are a product of our parents, good or bad. And isn't it, of course, in the Better Call Daddy show as well, that we're trying to show that legacy has importance. And we do want your children to follow a lot of the things and carry on for you. But it doesn't have to be exactly you. Let them take it further. Let them diversify to whatever they want to do and take the history of your family and expand upon it. It doesn't have to be where if you were a lawyer, that your son has to be a lawyer and his son's got to be a lawyer or he's got to be a doctor and another doctor and another doctor. Or if I'm a farmer, you've got to be a farmer. Or if you're a singer, you got to be a singer. It's got to be where it's nice to be able to share your interests with your children, but isn't it nice also that your children share their interests with you? Isn't it nice for it to be a little bit different? And let's face it, it's very clear that at least my opinion is, is that Rena Joy has a lot of her dad in her, but she's got some of those same traits of her mom. She doesn't want to admit it at times, but some of that stubbornness. And if you, for instance, your mom doesn't take it very well, if somebody really does her wrong, you're more like your mom on that. I'm more forgiving and give you people are. many, many chances. <laughs> and your mom says, up yours. Okay. And guess what? Your dad used to say up yours too. Yeah, that's true. He did also. My mom was more forgiving than my dad also. But you know, when you grow up on the streets, you've got to be tough because if you're not, people just roll all over you. It's the same today as it was in his generation and previous generations. There's a lot of people out there that are really self-centered on only their own needs and their own wants. And they're willing to still, centuries later, step over other people to get what they want where they don't really care about what you want. The purpose of this show and what Bruce brings out is let's matchmake where people can satisfy the needs of both sides of the equation and not where it's just one-sided. And I think that he has the type of disposition and background and experiences where he's putting it all together. Touche, thumbs up. My dad says having music as a part of our lives makes our lives smoother. Here's some of Bruce's music. Enjoy.
Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm going to go call my dad. (laughs) I'll say goodbye and see you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom. Better Call Daddy is good advice always. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel. And you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's wrap for now.